it's all tied to uh, Hurricane Katrina in, in my history as far huh. as my dad's been a uh, uh, council member or we call him Board of Aldermen back in Mississippi and so right. I grew up around that and he's done that for over 20, 20 plus years not consecutive but they serve like four year terms and so when you say speak in the chamber what do you mean? at a chamber luncheon okay and so they have guest speakers and they ask me to speak and kind of like I, if you know my personality I'm, I'm very outgoing but I'm, I'm a behind the scenes kind of guy and uh, and so I don't like to be I don't like to do podcasts and I don't like to do uh, uh, public speaking I, I leave that to the politicians you know, <laughs> you know that's 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 my forte but you know I do understand as far as being in this position you do need to uh, to, to do this so yeah, I, I can understand, especially from your perspective, where you, you like just getting the job done. Yeah. You don't like to make it a whole hubbub. You don't want to make a big deal about it. No. You don't like speaking, like you said, but your role as a city manager is vital to a city. Like oh. not having a city manager, I've realized is a big deal. Right, right. <laughs> yeah, we, we make things uh, make things go. I mean, that's yeah. what we do. I mean, we and, and we can talk about this. And I think that was because part of the question I've always been asked. And so I, I came here to to uh, Texas. Um, and as far as my daughter played select volleyball okay. and typically you're, you're around a, a new group of people every, probably every six months, um, especially with select. Yeah. And she, that's what she did. And so you would always had that proverbial question or discussion with a group of guys around the, and everybody would get to the point of, you know, what do you do? And so that was the whole component when I tell them I'm in city, you know, management, some know some most of them don't know don't have mm-hmm. a clue and so i'm able to um i try to relate to them where they're at and a lot of them are in the private sector mm-hmm. and so i equate a city manager is, is more like your ceo of a corporation yep. that answers to a board of aldermen i mean board of uh, directors and uh and and that's how you know city council works they set they set policy and we execute it mm-hmm. and Sometimes, you know, that gets a point across and other times, you know, uh, you, you equate it to what they possibly understand in the federal government. You have the you know, legislative branch and then we're probably more of the which is set by your senators, House representatives and so forth. And then we have the you know, your executive branch that executes it. So that's a good way to yeah. describe that. And so that's how we and that's how I get the point across. And then, you know, they'll, they'll ask me, you know, hey, what well, what? what who do you oversee or what departments do you and we we start talking about you know the different different parts of it so this is how i see the podcast going as far as i'm just having this conversation absolutely yeah we're already recording man oh yeah all right (laughs) yeah we're already recording this is exactly what i love this is this is how we get the point across on what you do yeah on who you are on what the people want to know from the city manager okay yeah and and going back to and and when we talk about departments that i oversee um you know we, we deal with the you know public works we deal with water wastewater you know, drainage, you deal with all the components of that and you get into parks departments, uh, recreation, special events, finances, um, and then you're dealing IT and, and many different components of, of what really is involved with running a city. And most people don't know that. Uh, they don't understand what all it's about because like most things in, in this world, their perception is their reality. Mm-hmm. Um, but the most interesting thing always comes when you tell them, as far as I'm over a fire department and a police department, and and when I say the police department, then it gets there's always one dad will ask me, you know, the the question that that you, everybody in the listeners probably can go ahead and and, and fill it in is, can you fix a, a speeding ticket? 
And then, <laughs> and then always my answer is, is no, is, you know, if you're, if you're going to break the law, you, you know, you're going to pay the consequences. And, but that's and, also not a lot of people view it like that. Yeah. Because you was like that. You scratch my back. I scratch yours. Sure. Type of mentality for a lot of these cities. You get into some pretty sticky situations. You do. But, uh, I think for me, the most part, my guiding uh, principles is more black and white. Uh, what's right's right. What's wrong's wrong. Um, and, and you do the best that you can with what you're, you know, you've been given. So, and then everybody, when we go through that process, the dads ultimately, you know, we'll, we'll talk about interaction with, um, you know, water bills or interaction with speeding tickets or interaction with, you know, how everybody has the, the, their opinion of how the city should be run uh, and their way is the best way. Yeah. Um, and then and then you, you listen to them and then you go through it and, and then and, and then you explain to, you know, the guys that we're sitting around talking to. Uh, what we do. And then ultimately they come back and they say, you know, why do you do that? You know, why, why, why do you uh, want to put yourself in that, in that position? And I said, well, I have to go back to where I came from to kind of frame that, that question in. And it really starts with my, my dad. My dad has been a, uh, like I said, a board of aldermen for uh, about 20 plus years. And the board of aldermen is exactly what? It's like, it's the same thing that we have here. Council members, it's a local government. Uh, They're elected uh, in the state of Mississippi. Typically they're elected to four year terms and they have a, uh, you have a, uh, and they're, they're breaking up in wards um, in most cities. And then you have a mayor, uh, which is is really their city manager uh, because they'll run the mayor will run day to day operations. It's a, paid, okay. it's a paid position. Is that state specific? As for uh, state of Mississippi, and I don't, I'm huh. not sure how um, everything goes in Alabama, Georgia. Any, I kind of assume like that. that every state had a. I guess the structure is the same, but um, I kind of figured every state had city council, mayor, city manager. So you, on, so you had that that form. It's just how do they facilitate it? Meaning here in the state, when you do a council management form of, of government, mm-hmm. which what we are, are talking about right now and where the city manager comes into pl- to play, that's more of a professional uh, position that typically is either th- through experience or through some form of discipline, whether a bachelor's degree or a master's degree. And uh, and you're more specialized in the day to day operations to where you would as an elected official, you know, not to say you couldn't figure that out within, you know, yeah. uh, four years or, or whatever. But um, typically because to back up, going back to Mississippi, that's their form of a government, local government that I was uh, uh, experienced with. Hmm. Uh, and when I moved to uh, Texas uh, as a result of Hurricane Katrina, and then really started getting, I started working for a municipality and I, I'll go a little bit further into detail on that in a little bit. That's whenever we, I'm, I'm realizing, hey, there's a council management form of government. There's the mayor, you know, isn't paid. Council members aren't paid. Depending on the city and charter, if it's a general law, typically you can, they, most cities are two-year terms for council members mm-hmm. and mayors. There is a provision within the, the uh, for general law cities that if they wanted to vote it, they could go three-year terms. Uh, some home rule uh, cities that have a charter uh, and a city manager, they're a little bit different than a general law. Um, they can be, they can do things that um, doesn't um, uh, trump or, or they can't do things that are, are prohibited, prohibited by the state of Texas. So within that charter, they could do three year terms. They could do however they want to you know, frame that with council members. Um, but you have 
a city manager typically will run the day-to-day operations, formulation of the budget, work with council, make sure that you know bills are, are paid. Yes, definitely uh, a full-time job. Correct. And as far as forecasting and and then as far as part of our responsibility too is not only running the city, but as far as to 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 monitor the be, to our best ability what's going on in Austin um, and what their requirements and their laws are changing to have impact on us. Yeah, and, dive a little deeper into that. Well, as far as you're, as, as we both know, the, uh, the state of Texas will, when it comes to local government, there's some um, situation, they meet biennial, uh, which is every other year, and they impact how we do business mm-hmm. uh, at the local level. SB2, which is a, a big thing, is when we dealt with um, taxation. Uh, no longer can you do involuntary annexation. Uh, it's by voluntary annexation. So there's, there's different with that. So, annexation of what? Of it, your, your properties or, or your parcels, if you will, that's in your ETJ mm-hmm. um, outside of your city limits. Uh, they used to, you could go out if you saw that you wanted to annex a, annex a pr- uh, property in. Uh, you didn't have to have, and there were certain guidelines you could go through, but you could involuntarily annex that that property in if you needed to use it for let's say a capital improvement project you needed something that would meet the criteria of the state so things like that change uh different things is dealing with human resources dealing with the way you collect sales tax dealing with Mm. um uh, so there's a there's a lot of different laws that impact us at the local level level uh, and they just passed like a whole bunch of laws right they did i mean and i guess you know you you can look at some of the ones um that i can remember uh your blue laws expired uh here in the state of texas for purchase of uh if you're depending on what city you're in or if you have sale of alcohol Mm -hmm. i mean used to uh, you you had to wait to noon on sunday now it's 10 10 a.m um so, I mean, those are the things you have to stay uh, up on mm-hmm. uh, as well. But but going back to why I got into to city management, you know, the, the big thing I got to watch my, my dad, as far as service to uh, the, the citizens and the people that elected him, uh, I, I learned a lot from him just observing, uh, particularly when it came time for election. Uh, and then he was going door to door, knocking, you know, asking for their vote. Uh, not everybody was, you know, uh, his fan. Yeah. Uh, but, um, you know, the thing I, I noticed and, and the people were his fan and the people that they had the uh, opinion on how they wanted to uh, to see, you know, their tax dollars spent. And, you know, the, the thing that, that impressed me the most was the way that he gave every person, whether they were for him or or maybe for the other opponent, he gave them the same amount of respect and time uh, to listen to their point of mm-hmm. view. And I think that's, you know, for me, I've always used that as, as, as one of the, my, my pillars, if you will, uh, and how I treat people is that at the end of the day, people want to be heard. And, you know, I can definitely respect that maybe we might have the same opinion, um, but their opinion is just as important as mine. And I want to listen to what they have uh, to say. Uh, because one thing, you know, it, it being that I've adopted in, in my age is that, uh, you know, you, you always want to be a lifelong learner mm. and, um, Preach. and, and <laughs> yeah, and, and maybe somebody will tell you something that you don't, you don't really know. And, and you got to have that open mindset, um, yep. to, to listen. And, and at the end of the day, you know, as far as my view on, on local government or even state government or federal government, we really don't want everybody on the same page. We don't want everybody agreeing about the same thing because, in my opinion, people with different viewpoints 
challenges the other one not mm-hmm. to keep status quo and become stagnant. Yeah. Um, and I think that's something that we need at the state level, something we need at the federal level, something that, you know, we need at the local level. Well, I've heard you, I've heard both the fire chief and the police chief say the same thing, um, where you, you're every person that has come into the, the city of Keene and into main management roles have that mindset. And so that I've noticed that about Keene. I've heard of quite a few people say the same thing where you'll have a good crew here. And it's because I, I, from my outside perspective that you guys are taking that mindset of being lifelong learners. You know, you, how old are you right now? <laughs> if you don't I, mind me asking. I, I, I don't, I, I'm, I'm uh, 50. Okay. So you're 50 years old. Yeah. That's good life. And mm-hmm. you're still taking that mindset. And same thing with uh, the fire chief and police chief. They're, they're older because they're chief of police and chief of fire. Mm-hmm. And they've both told me those same things. And I love that. Because right. if we can keep that mindset across the board for multiple states and cities and local municipalities, things would actually start changing for the better. Yeah, and I agree with that. And, and I think it comes out of, you know, you know, going through Hurricane Katrina, I think is, you know, this past Sunday was a 16 year anniversary. Yeah. Same time that Hurricane Ida I was, saw that. was coming aboard. And, and, and that really <clears throat> impacted and changed you know, my life. It, it just put me on a different path, not only for my, myself, but my kids, a different trajectory that we didn't see coming. Yeah, do you mind jumping into a little bit more of that? No. The uh, experience at Katrina? No, I don't, don't mind. As far as growing up in, in Mississippi, we've been through, and, I, and to be honest with you, I've, I've, I've lost track of how many hurricanes that, we, mm-hmm. uh, that I've been through. Can imagine. Uh, but as far as Katrina, I can remember the day before the, the storm, you know, we're, we're sitting there looking down the, you know, I, I remember talking with a friend of mine in Florida and I said, uh, and I remember the words and I remember what, what, what I was going through in my mind. Cause at the time it was looking to be a category five mm-hmm. hurricane coming in and then just the size of it, yeah. know, it really, really just not, not too many hurricanes scared me. Uh, but this one had me mm-hmm. seriously concerned. Um, did you guys actually stay through the hurricane? We did. We stayed through the hurricane. Wow. Um, we, we sheltered up in, in a house. What uh, part of, uh, I'm from originally from long beach, Mississippi. Okay. And you know, there's a funny thing. Every time I say I'm from long beach, people, you know, make the comments at California and I'm like, <laughs> I, I, I do, I sound like I'm from California. <laughs> and so deep South man. Right. <laughs> So, and, and, but uh, where I was at was in Pascrishan, Mississippi at the time where we wrote it out. But, um, you know, just looking at the size of that storm, I mean, you think about it, it touched the state of Louisiana, it touched the state of Mississippi, Alabama, uh, even into, you know, into Florida. Texas and, too. Yeah. And just the, just the whole, you know, category five. I mean, that was, that was, it was very, um, a very uh, challenging time, but uh, I can still remember the day that you know when the hurricane came through. At the time, of course, having three kids, uh, my, my my children were one, uh, three, and five uh, at the time. So, but yeah, I can remember them being in the living room, and you know we pulled you know a couple of uh, mattresses in in the living room for them to you know sleep on, and we we would all be together in one area. But you know that turned into a trampoline, and mm. and then we brought brought a little little tight slide in, and. And they were, you know, having a good old time. But, you know, when the hurricane came through, it, it just, it, it, it ripped the, you know, as far as all the shingles and plywood off the roof. And, of course, we had water coming through light fixtures and, and your, you know, your air conditioned vents. And so we had a good two, three inches of water in, in the certain parts of the house. And my kids, you know, you, you go look as, as parents and we're, you know, concerned and, and you know, as far as anxious. 
but they're just sitting there having a good old time sliding. You know, they, they positioned their hmm. little slide to where it was going into the water, and <laughs> and they're <laughs> having awesome. they're having a great time. The but definition of uh, turning something bad into something cool. Very very much so. And yeah, and that's the thing as far as the just the sheer. I mean, there was houses that was in the area we were at where two stories, the second story was gone. Hmm. Um, you could actually feel the pressure that was going on. You could feel the roof uh, of the house starting to pick up, and you could. We had double pane windows in the house at the time and you could see them flexing in so geez you know it, it was uh it was you know it was an interesting time to say the least and uh but we we made it through it um and it changed the tra- trajectory of y'all's life it did uh and unbeknownst <clears throat> to us at that time you know we were thinking we were going to stay there in mississippi or, or possibly because i worked a little bit in florida at the time maybe go back there but i had family here in in uh in texas my uh my mom was here and two sisters so like on the third day of um uh, after the hurricane and, and you're starting getting reports about the fatalities because mm-hmm. you had over 1800 people lost their lives during this hurricane i think they had a close to 125 billion dollars in damages um but when you started hearing reports of bodies that are you know floating in back bay and then what's going on at the superdome and and then you're realizing, you know, people were actually they were. You had companies trying to bring in water for for us for uh, FEMA, and mm-hmm. then, but you had people actually trying to commandeering them with what shooting out their engine yep. with, with rifles and shotguns and looting was going on. And and uh, but but I will say this: as far as for federal and state, one of the first people that showed up to to uh, provide assistance was really from the nonprofit sector when we saw churches and we saw people that just came in and and were with pallets of food and and stuff and so you know we 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 we, we kind of sometimes and, and and there was a lot of things and I won't get into this from a political perspective of FEMA and everybody else but the one thing that impressed me the most and, and again this impacted me as far as uh, my decision to go into city management was the local community rallied and the people that, you know, saw a need and filled it was from the community. Yep. And it really wasn't from the state or it wasn't from the federal government, even though they were in the process, but they were bogged down with uh, bureaucracy, if you yep. will. And um, no, Katrina is like a case study for FEMA and it changed the trajectory of even the government and how they, how they respond to disasters like that. Right. And so, you know, we saw those guys come in and, and, and help us um, uh, and my, my fellow Mississippians and, what have you. So decided at that third day that it was time to, you know, get my kids out, my family out. And I said, you know, we're going to go ahead and, and go to my mom's. And, uh, you know, one of the, the, one of the things that impacted me the most was driving out. Of course you got boats all on the side of the road. You got an army national guard there, state of Louisiana. They had, you know, as far as driving here to the state of Texas, they had the, um, uh, the way into to Louisiana blocked, uh, people lined up trying to get gas. Mm. Um, and at the time I had a Ford F-150 truck and everything that we own fit in the back of the, the truck. <laughs> and so, uh, and, and knowing that, you know, the Ford F-150 is not the most uh, fuel efficient uh, vehicle, <laughs> but we made it from past Christian, Mississippi to Baton Rouge, Louisiana, uh, on one take of gas. And that's how many hours of driving? It is roughly probably about three hours. Okay, wow. Uh, and so you're you're sitting there, and, and I don't know how many miles, but I know as far as probably the last 15, 20 minutes, I don't know how far I drove 
below E. And uh, so, yeah, we were praying like, man, let's let's (laughs) find something. So we finally pull into a gas station and the only thing, you know, the lady came out, so all we have is Supreme. And I said, I'll, I'll take Supreme Mm. uh, gasoline. And and I will say that's probably the, the, the last time I've ever bought Supreme gasoline (laughs) with, with time. But, you know, I was very fortunate and blessed that we were, we were very thankful we could have it. Mm. And really the, in Baton Rouge at the gas station, there was a McDonald's next to it. Uh, so we went over there, you know, got something to eat, had a Big Mac and kids eating, uh, you know, as far as their chicken McNuggets and what have you. And then just looking at them and the family at the time really hit me and impacted me, uh, not only as a, as a father, but just what we went through in Katrina and, and the ramifications that, mm. that we dealt with. Because when you're in the, I guess, in the middle of a storm, you you really don't, you have two choices. Either you can, you know, be paralyzed with it and then succumb to it, or you can just, you know, I'm going to take this day by day, hour by hour, minute by minute. And so we did, and, and we made it out. And and really that, you know, you know, having a an emotional time, I, I you know, broke down, and I'm, I'm sitting there talking to myself, you're actually crying over a Big Mac uh, that you're <laughs> eating. But just something as simple as that was hmm. was paramount for to, to, to me. So did it like that type of experience, however insane it was, and seeing the response that the local and federal governments had and state governments, or I guess lack of response initially, um, did that kind of curve you to try and get into city management, making you more like, hey, I want to make sure that whatever city I'm a, I'm a part of, we can have a good local response? Yeah, it, it did. Uh, and, and more so when I, when, I'm, when I came here to Texas, uh, we were in the you know Keller-Fort Worth area at the time. My, my sister uh, had a house, and so we ended up you know staying with them. And I can remember my my oldest at the time was in I believe in kindergarten, and uh, we we enrolled him in, in Keller ISD, and just for kids got to continue to you know uh, learn and, and not miss a beat and not get behind. Yeah. And so we're going through that, and and I can remember as far as the the staff there was so hospitable uh, to us and so outgoing and and just something that you know as far as you have love love and compassion and and true wanting to, to help you mm-hmm. uh, really impacted uh, us. And not only there at the school, but also uh, we had it within, you know, city of Fort Worth. We had it within uh, Keller, the city of Keller and, and, and really just the state of Texas in general, how much, you know, you, you can go back and look at, you know, in the Houston area, how they open their arms to people. And for, and, and that was the other thing they called us refugees. And I kind of, uh, on a personal note, I, I got to where it's like, I don't really feel a refugee because this is my country. Mm. You know, I, I didn't, didn't leave, leave, leave my country or anything. I just left my state. Interesting. Yeah. And so, but, but it was fleeing from a disaster. It, it was, but I guess maybe just, I was very sensitive to, because that also impacted me on, on, on what, what choice of words we use mm-hmm. and how we tend to label people. And uh. maybe, and maybe we get to the position to where, you know, we, what's the big deal, you know, in far as you want to justify it, but, but always have an understanding and be sensitive to where maybe we can change how we view things, or maybe we can, we can change how we say things based on some reactions. And I mm-hmm. think that goes back into a dialogue and giving people an, uh, an opportunity to present their side of the story. And, uh, and, and I think we could all be better for that. Mm-hmm. Um, but it, so we go through that, and, and I remember uh, we had going back to the Keller ISD. Believe it or not, Fannie Mae at the time had a program, and I think they were uh, Fannie or Freddie Mae, Freddie Mac. I, I, I get the, I think it's 
Fannie Mae, Freddie Mac. Right. Yep. Thank you. Uh, they had a program. They had about 11 houses that they had prior to the storm. They had foreclosed and took possession of. Uh, but they were doing a program to where uh, it was a lottery pick that if you were selected, as far as if you were displaced by Hurricane Katrina, you could fill out an application, go through all this process, and then they would, you know, select you uh, for one of those houses. And what they would do is for 18 months, you were able to stay there rent free. So you, oh, did, wow. you didn't have, you, you just paid your utilities and, and what yeah. have you, but your water and, and, wow. and electricity. So we're excited. We get this application. The guidance counselor calls uh, calls us and, and tells us about this program and say, "Hey, go buy and there these these homes and rank them. You know what's going to be your your number one choice too." And, and so we're like, "Man, this is an answer to the prayer to a prayer, and, and we're going to be able to make it through this." Because at the time when we got here, no job, no vision, no future, because we had two hundred and something in our checking account, and uh, and so we're just thinking, you know, how we're going to make it. Uh, and of course we were, we made it during the first part over, over, you know, we had some, you know, love gifts from certain churches and definitely family helped us out, uh, during that time. But as far as what we're going to do moving mm -hmm. forward, didn't have a clue. And so we're thinking, Hey, this is a great opportunity to get a house. We're going to go ahead and stay here and then just see what happens go, go, I'm going back to that. Take one day at a time mm -hmm. and, uh, and don't get too focused on what's, you know, don't worry about tomorrow for tomorrow about itself. Correct. And so, then we, we go and we do everything. We, we, get, we get ready to turn the application in. And then we find out there, from what I, I can remember, I, I want to say there was close to 800 students that were in the Keller ISD um, district uh, that had been impacted that also had the same chance we had. For oh, these, wow. For, for these, 11 houses. Yes, for those homes. Oh. And then sort of my, my heart just sunk. And I'm like, oh, my goodness. So we sat there and we did everything. And then we got the phone call. We were one we were selected we were in the lottery oh my pick gosh. That we got the house so we were able Jeez. to yeah so that, that was an answer prayer and you can see that that you know as far as how things started going in our our, our 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 right right way um but uh so i'm sitting there and during this time couldn't find a job mm. overqualified for things i went to apply for and uh and the only thing i had at the time was an associate's degree but uh but it, it was just a part of that, you know, I'd send out my resume and, and the interesting thing going back to labeling and what have you, you put your cover page out there, put yeah. your resume, but I put it on there. I was a Katrina evacuee. I mean, I crickets didn't hear anything on that. And when I took that off, uh, that label evacuee, then I started getting a few phone calls. Weird. And, and, yeah. And as far as that was just, and it goes back to labels huh. and goes back to people's perception and, and what have you. But I think as far as a society, again, we need to work towards, you know, hmm. moving past that. But that's really interesting. Yeah. And so uh, found a few jobs here or there, but ultimately uh, was able to go back. And I was hired by the city of Keller uh, as a drafting or engineering tech. Okay. Um, so I was able to do that. They had a program at the city to where, you know, after you've been there a year, uh, if you wanted to go ahead and go back and get your 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 bachelor's degree or or pursue some type of uh, you know for education, mm -hmm. they had a program that they would pay for your uh, tuition for reimbursement. So I decided, you know, I'm going to go ahead and and uh, get into uh, do something other than you know uh, being an engineering tech and and so since the the community and everything, I said, you know, how can I give back to that? And so the, the, really that's how it really got into city management 
uh, how can I make, make the biggest? Because because I feel out of all the you know three levels of government, your federal, state, and local, you can make more of an impact at the local level, yep. um, in my opinion, than than the oh, other I agree. two. One hundred percent. So so yeah. So that's when I started the journey. Was able to uh, to go back to uh, while working full time, three kids, um, hmm. forty hours a week. I did eighteen hours per semester at the University of North Texas. Graduated uh, with a bachelor's degree uh, in, in two thousand nine. And what I got it and it's it's called a, a BAAS, but it was concentrated in, in emergency management and oh. uh, community development. Mine's emergency management. Yeah. And so I was able to do that. And I went to, after I graduated there, when I started looking into most, most city managers or assistant city managers, they had a graduate degree. Uh, and so I went to the university of Texas at Arlington Yeah, and graduated in 2012 with my MPA. Okay. And, uh, master in public administration. Okay. And, um, so I was able, out of the 15 years of, you know, I, I've, I've served as an engineering tech, uh, engineering project coordinator, director of public services, director of, um, uh, what was my community development. Um, then I've been an assistant city administrator and then now currently, you know, I'm a city, city manager for wow. the city of Keene. So. so what was your previous job before the city of Keene? I was an assistant city administrator in the city of Willow Park. Oh, okay. Yeah. So yeah, I, I oversaw the, uh, as far as our, Residential development, commercial development, a little bit of economic development. Um, oversaw our health inspections. Uh, we did some uh, our um, oh goodness, we did our capital improvement projects. Uh, I built a or I was part of a team that we built our uh, public safety building. I had about five million dollars on that one. Six million dollar road project is what we were able to do hmm. uh, there during my time. It's so. amazing. It is. So and what made you want to jump into the city of Keene's role as being a city manager? I know you've always seems like at least from the, uh, since at least Katrina, you noticed a lot of things that you can do to help with the local communities and you wanted to get full force into that. Um, why Keene? You know, the city of Keene and I've, and I said this at the chamber luncheon that I had opportunity to speak at is that in my profession, again, I've been doing this for 15 years and always my professional plan has been, to, uh, to, to get into the role of the city manager and not there. And, and I'm very thankful looking back that I was able to spend certain times within, uh, local government at different levels and different, uh, if you want to call it, uh, roles, departments, roles. Yeah. And it's really an unconventional way that your, your most city managers, um, there's some of us that, that came up this way they come up through the ranks, if mm -hmm. you will. Um, other ones, they'll graduate from grad school, become an assistant to become an assistant city manager, mm -hmm. maybe be a deputy city manager, and then one day be a city manager to where you kind of get into that component of, of you're just served in an administration role. And you may have a, a, a knowledge of it, of how all the other departments is. But as far as there's a, I, I feel when you have life lessons and you have that, mm. that hands on oh, sure. practicality, you, it kind of separates you from, uh, oh, from, from the other ones. Well, so. no, as I, I, you know, I was an EMT for a while. And then it's funny because a lot of EMTs would go straight. So they, they graduate EMT basic school and then go straight to be a paramedic. And then sometimes they go straight to being a nurse or whatever, whatever the case may be, or paramedic firefighter. And the ones that came up through the ranks that worked a few years as an EMT basic and then got their medic while they're getting their EMT were vastly more different than people who came, who started running their own ambulance as a primary medic directly out of school. It's like you have all this book knowledge, but actually applying and actually saving lives in the way that's critically thinking and not just book knowledge is massively different. Same thing with uh, like 
doctors and residents. Mm-hmm. You know, you have four-year uh, undergrad, then you have four years of medical school, then you have a three-year residency, sometimes more, depending on if you want to specialize. So you have a lot of these doctors who literally went from 18 directly into school for four, eight, 12 years, and then are practicing on these patients, and all they have is book knowledge. They don't have these just common sense, critical thinking life skills right. for somebody. And I've also worked with doctors who are medics before becoming a doctor. And then the way they treat and how they process information, like the medics who became doctors versus just book knowledge and then jumping it vastly different. So I agree with you. That's in, that's in every profession. Right. If you can actually get some life experience on you about while you're doing these roles, it's, oh, it makes everything so much better. <laughs> yeah, m- most definitely. And I think that's where, I mean, you see some, as far as our, our department heads that we have at City Keen, they've, they've done the same yep. thing. Uh, they've, they've come up through the ranks and, and they've yep. seen different, you know, different components of, of what makes one department work or what this department works differently than another department. That's what Nathan was talking about too. Right. So he did the same thing. Yep. And, and so that's, you know, I, I've always looked at it, you know, they, is that I, I don't consider myself a specialist, um, more of a generalist. Um, and I heard one city manager put it one time is that you, as far as my experience or knowledge, you really, he equated it to a, a lake. It's, it's, it's not very deep, uh, but it's very, it's very vast and very mm. shallow. Yeah. Um, you know, the, the thing that I, I heard a business owner tell me a long time ago is he said, you can become a great leader to understand you're not the smartest guy in the room, in the room. Uh, yep. but what your, your objective is, is to get people that are smarter than you in certain different areas and you surround yourself with those people and you give them the ability uh to 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 achieve what they need to to achieve my my whole goal is to foster an environment that really lends itself to more creativity and uh for for people can get their their task at hand or whatever they may you know may be dealing with whether it's chief of police chief of fire director of development Mm -hmm. economic development whatever what how can i support you and how can I make you be a better person yep. or a better employee in that in that regard? So well, it seems like there's a push against that though in society in the workplace. Like if you know a whole bunch of different things, it's like you're a jack of all trades but a master of none. Mm-hmm. And it seems to me like there are there are specific situations that yes, you need a specialist for this. You know, if you have a heart attack, you need to go see a, a, a cath doctor and go get a cat you know, go to the cath lab, go to all that whole nine yards. Um, but for a lot, like in my opinion, most positions. Having perspectives from differing roles um, makes you better at your job, mm-hmm. just like instruments. Like I, I first started with drums when I was 10. Because I learned how to play drums, I knew the rhythm to play guitar. All I, all I had to do was just learn the chords. Mm-hmm. Because I knew guitar and the strings, I could easily jump to piano and bass. So it's like each one was made it vastly easier to learn that instrument. And I play it well because I knew how to play drums first. Right. So it frustrates me when I see people dogging on, you know, the, the jack of all trades type of person, mm-hmm. because it does give you a better perspective many times, you know? Yeah, it does. And it's interesting that you, you bring up music is, is because sometimes I, I, I answer the question as far as what I think a, a, a city manager's role is. And I, and I equate it to more of an orchestra that they're a composer. And as far as you mm-hmm. got to understand when, when do you bring in the, the string instruments? When do you bring in the wood? When do you bring That's percussion good. in? And then you have to have the ability to read the music and understand which way it's going. And, and I think that's the same thing within, you know, if you ever go to grad school and you're going to get your, your MPA, one of the first classes you're going to take is, is really a basic one-on-one. And they always, and my professor came out and would always ask you this question, is this profession an art form or is it a science? 
mm-hmm. and then they'll always will ask you that. And then you have a lot of, they'll sit there and, and my answer, and I believe it's the right answer is, is both, uh, is both an art form and, mm-hmm. and is both, both a science. And then you have to also understand the political aspect of it. And you also have to understand the, you know, as far as the logistics side of things, the formulation of you, you can only, you got, you know, so much streams of revenue that's coming in, whether mm-hmm. it's through property tax, sales tax, franchise, you know, uh, fees. And then you have so much, you got that revenue, then you got your expenses, and then you've got to also, you know, budget that component of it. Mm. Uh, that to me is more of a science because, you know, one plus one is, you know, two. <laughs> I mean, it's something that's you need so many trucks to be able to, to accomplish this. And that's managing it. That's the science behind it. Where the art form comes in is as far as when you're you're dealing with your your staff, you're dealing with elected officials, people within the community. Um, there There is a way, and I think that goes back to what I said in the very beginning of this, is allowing people to, within, within the, their spectrum or however they want to do it, present their side of it and then listen to them. Mm. And I don't just hear them, you know, just you, you listen Active to them. Active listening. Yeah. And, and you listen to them. And because and I think that that you can, we can sit here and have this talk conversation the whole time. And I could just tell you this. And, but when you, you come to me with, with a, a situation or a problem or a suggestion, you'll tell it to me. And I like to repeat it back to you uh, mm-hmm. because that tells that other individual, Hey, you hear, you're hearing me and you're also are validating my perspective on it. Mm-hmm. Um, and at the end of it, I've always told this with developers. I've told this with my staff. I've told this with, with anybody. I always will be truthful with you. It may not be what you want to hear, mm. but I will I will be respectful of you and I will tell you the truth. And and that's that's not always the easy thing to do. Especially there's a there's a lot of things coming up in Keene right now. There's an election, another election for mm-hmm. the city council, um, the budget meeting that mm-hmm. everybody's uh well, yeah, y'all been talking about as of late. So walk me through some of that stuff. What's going on? You have elections, and then I'll tell you from the city management side, I, I don't. That's not me. I'm, I'm not. Again, I think I shared. I'm not. A, I'm not a politician. Yeah. Um, politics. Uh, the that'll take care of itself. Yeah. Um, as far as our budget, you know, you're going through when you get your certified, you know, tax roll from the county, and and that kind of sets your your property tax rate or gives you a good idea of the and values. Is that, that going up? This, this uh, coming year? No, as far as, I mean, we're, we had a discussion last council meet, meeting on, on, on the tax rate and, you know, the majority of the council members, you know, agreed that, you know, we, we're looking the same thing that we did was done here in the city of Keene last year. Mm-hmm. It's kind of, we're doing the same thing this year where we're, we're proposing or, or we worked a budget up to where we can reduce, uh, you know, as far as the, the tax rate by, by one cent. And, and I think that's pretty good because you have some development that's going on in Keene. I mean, you had some new houses mm-hmm. that were, were presented. And I'm trying to remember the numbers, um, and, and I uh, can't remember the exact ones, but I, I think the past four years prior to the new subdivision coming in, they may have had 12 total in three years. And 12 tax increases? Well, no, 12 ho- new homes built. Oh, okay. And okay. so your new homes, I'm, when you have your, that's going to impact your, yeah. your values, right? Uh, with your property taxes. So that was over. So here in 2020, I want to say Bristol Oaks is, has, has come in and they're well over 80 homes yeah. that are, are, are coming in and that's going to impact your, your value. Uh, your so for the typical on- keen resident, 
is the tax, are they going to be paying more in taxes or less in taxes? Uh, your average, you're, you're going to pay, you know, if you're looking at the average home in, in city of Keene is about 154,000. Okay. Uh, and if, if, if the count, if the council affords, if you know, we get, you know, through the whole, whole aspect, if, if we uh, reduce that by a penny, uh, you see, you should see a, a decrease in your, your taxes, but I'll say it this way. We don't have anything to where we establish the values. Your values are set by the county, which is really directed from the state. So we're doing uh, we're doing our thing to where we can reduce it by a penny, still show that we can have a balanced budget and still have a little bit to the good to where we can look at uh, possibly doing some type of you know street projects or street uh, programs uh, okay. with some, you know, as far as if you have some additional funds left over. And, and, you know, we, we'll have to look at when you're dealing with capital, uh, your streets, yeah, and of course, your streets come out of your general fund, which mm -hmm. your general fund is is really, um, like I men mentioned earlier, is the revenues are your sales tax, your property taxes, some of your franchise utilities that goes into uh, to that revenue. And then you have to spend that with everything else, your fire department, police department, mm -hmm. public works, streets, as far as dealing with it are not impacted by your water and wastewater because those two are what we call enterprise funds. So those are revenue generated departments. People pay their you know water bill. And, and, and so you have the cost of, of water production and you have the cost of, of yeah. you know, as far as dealing with, with sewer. So that's based on revenue. Um, and as far as you have water projects, if you need to do a water line replacement, typically your funds come out of that pool of cash, if you will, to do that. And same thing with sewer. So we are, you know, being here for, I think a grand total of four months. Um, you know, we're, we're looking at, we understand that there's a, a, a thing that we need to address with streets. We understand there's mm -hmm. a thing as far as utilities and, and we're, you know, putting, trying to put a plan together. Um, they just completed their, um, their CIP plan as far as their, I think it's your 20 year plan yeah. for your uh, the architect came in, right? And he, he gave the your, whole, your engineer. Yeah. yeah. Our, our, our city engineer did a study on that dealing with your water, wastewater drainage yeah. and, and so forth. And then really those are some big numbers that you're looking yeah. at. I mean, water, I think over, over that 20 years was roughly around a little over 15 million. I believe sanitary <laughs> sewer for the things is a little over 24 million. It seems like the, the main conflict though, with all these, this budget stuff and whenever like people only see, am I paying more or am I paying less? And so the typical right. conflict is, is the resident will come to the city manager or the city council or whatever the case may be and say, Hey, like y'all, y'all taking more money from me. Like, why is that? But it's not just that like black and white. You guys are also handed down a bottom dollar or a bottom line from the county and the county's handed down to something from the state. Right. Do, I, do I hear that right? Yeah. And as far as we we're get a certified role from the county uh, and as far as values that are, that they establish, um, and of course there's a whole, and I'm not going to say I'm an expert on, on, on property, property taxes, but, um, we are giving a certified role from the County and that's where we formulate and we deal with our budget. Mm -hmm. That's how we do a tax rate. When you say certified role, what do you mean? They certify it as far as basically th these are the house, these are their values, and this is their projecting X amount of dollars that are going to okay. come in. Uh, not only we use that, the County use it, school districts use it, uh, to establish their, their rate. So. Uh, like, for example, I think I read uh, the county, I think this year, unless it's changed and I, and I can't remember, I think they're reducing or they're trying to reduce it by half a cent. Okay. I think prior to that two years, I don't think that I think it's been steady that there so, wasn't any, any type so of So the more houses that are coming in because there's going to be more taxes coming and you can reduce the tax you right here. You can't. I mean, as far as you're, you're you guys dealing are trying with, to do. Yeah. You, you have increase in property tax, increase in sales tax, and then 
also think of this too, and this is where the city manager comes in and as far as the mayor and the city council, and this is where we have to balance it. You have additional people coming in or you have maybe certain people within your, your city want to see more services like a parks or yeah. something that that's going to have to generate some more, you're going to have expenses on. So you do have this increase. And then how do you balance, mm. you know, ultimately I think the thing is we want to one, our fiduciary responsibility to our citizens is to be as frugal as we can. Yeah. And as far as to, to make sure that, you know, when we're going out and looking for, for services or, or for goods that we're getting the best dollar that we're going ahead and making sure that there's things in place that, yeah. that we're accountable, we're managing our money. So at the end of the year, that we can do, do our best of our ability to give funds back so we can do uh, other projects. But yeah, yeah, the parks in Keene is, it's just so great. Like, yeah. this is not normal. <laughs> yeah. And so we, matter of fact, your parks, parks department is, is really supplemented right now by the public works uh, mm -hmm. department. And then we also, we, you know, as far as the, you know, we have to go a con uh, issue a contract to a uh, private company to, to maintain the, you know, cutting the grass and so forth yeah. in that general area. So yeah. th there is a lot going in. I think that's, and that's really, when I go back to the, the biggest participatory form of government would be the local government, because you can have the, your citizens come and speak at uh, budget workshops. Mm -hmm. You know, they can come and speak to their council member and say, look, you know, I want to see X done here. Or, or what are your thoughts on, you yeah. know, this, so. It seems like there's a, a very small population of, the, of every city now that even comes to these budget meetings and the town hall meetings. And uh, it it seems like, you know, conversations like this are very important. Like we, mm -hmm. this podcast is good. Like it, people need to hear what's going on. Um, but what do we do whenever times are changing and techno the technology boom has changed everything where you only have a very, very, very small sample of the population coming and voicing their opinions. It's usually like the, the louder minority, right? Mm -hmm. Is not speaking for the silent majority. Well, I mean, you, you have it and I'll say it this way. You, you have people and, and we do everything we can to, you know, for us, our doors are open. My office is always open. We try to communicate via email, mm -hmm. uh, phone calls, uh, as far as to, to welcome their, uh, input in uh, to the city. Uh, ultimately, you know, where a majority of your, your citizens speak is the people that they elect mm -hmm. um, and when their elected officials are, are in there. So and, and again, you know, we if you look at voter turnout uh, and, and I'm not I don't know that all the numbers in the city of King, but traditionally, if you look in local government uh, with any city or county within the state of Texas, you'll see that the turnout for local elections are probably lower than any other ones. Mm. Um, so as far as interesting, and I, and I think maybe, I mean, you'll see this in the past presidential election. You saw where there was an uptick of more young people getting involved in politics. You know, my hope uh, would be possibly that would translate into maybe more of the local level uh, to where they'll get interested in, 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 in politics and get interested in, in far as how their city's being, being ran. But, you know, you've got a majority of citizens that are, you know, as, and I, and I tell this to some of my um, department heads, and I haven't had to tell it here in the King, but when we're developing, you know, budgets, the thing I look at is, is you know, your public works department, uh, very important. Uh, and I know the city of King was impacted with this during what we we're calling Snowmageddon. Mm -hmm. uh, when you have issues where you're, you know, you go to turn your water on and it's not there, or you go to, you know, flush the commode and, and you can't do that people want those day-to-day -day services. Mm -hmm. So, you know, I've always equated public works being the lifeblood of, of every city, mm -hmm. the oil that gets things going. So, 
you know, you have it to where as long as certain services, and I said all that to say this, that people we're meeting the needs of those services, they're typically, it's like, hey, I'm living my life. I'm Maybe I'm a soccer mom or maybe I'm, you know, I'm just going to, to do this uh, job and, 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 you know, they don't get, get involved of it. But, you know, that's, I think for us, uh, we, we look to do more of public relations through social media, mm-hmm. through these podcasts. You know, we have uh, things that we're doing, uh, Starfest uh, on October yeah. 31st. Tell me about that real quick. Just touch on that. Yeah, Starfest is, is is unique as far as it's a city-run event that uh, our police department holds an event where on the 31st of October uh, that that people uh, not only in the city of Keene but here in Johnson County can bring their kids to and there's you know there'll be candy there, there are hay rides mm-hmm. and some you know different events and I have been to that yeah I just forgot I didn't know it was called Starfest <laughs> yeah Starfest and uh, and I think that's way too you're you're opening up. To where, hey, this is part of a what city government does. Yeah. Um, this is a community event, so it's our way a way to outreach to them. Uh, you know, being in, involved in in the city of uh, government is not just being a city council member. I mean, we've got yeah. boards like Planning and Zoning Commission. Yeah, you have what we're calling uh, there. You'll hear Board of Adjustments. You'll have different boards and different things where people can get involved in and serve uh, their community. And understand, hey, how, how does government work? And, and do I really want to maybe maybe one day I want to go be a council member, but mm. maybe I can just look and see how things are going right now and serve my community that way. Or maybe they want to volunteer at one of our uh, events. Well, they do. We do things in, on Fourth of July. Uh, we do things for, you know, for Starfest. Um, so there, there's 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 things within the city that people can volunteer yeah. and, and make an impact. That's uh, awesome. You know, not just being a council member, not just being that, but just being involved in their community. Yeah. That's so, awesome. Well, as we wrap up, tell me what you want to see in the next, in the coming years in Keene. What do you want to do? Like biggest dreams here. <laughs> but it, as far as, you know, as far as my, uh, as far as direction is, I go back to, to the, to the, what I said earlier, um, as far as and fostering an environment to where we can we can collaborate not only uh, with our department heads but also our elected officials and with our community to meet their needs and address their concerns that they have within the community and and I, I consider us establishing a partnership mm. right uh, with, with with these uh, stakeholders uh, within the community so so really my my vision is is really to get out in, the, in more or, or my my plan is is to be more out in the community, we're putting this budget, uh, you know, for us to vote on the 16th of September. Uh, but you can know, anybody go there? Yeah. Uh, matter of fact, we have city council meeting tonight. Okay. Um, and public public can come anytime uh, we have a, a meeting, and they can. There's a there's a portion within the the uh, 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 agenda. It's called uh, public comments. Yeah. And you got three three minutes, three or five minutes uh, to say you know speak about anything you want to speak about. It doesn't have to be on the agenda. Uh, you can come participate, let your voice tell us how good we're doing, you know, maybe share, share with us uh, opportunities for improvement. Um, you know, so so that's where I'm at. I'm, I'm looking okay. for more of a community in, involvement uh, yeah. from from my, from my office. So that's awesome. Mr. Parker, great conversation. I loved hearing about your history, how you got here, uh, kind of your passions behind a lot of this. So thank you so much for coming on the show and hope uh, hopefully a lot of people listen to it and understand a little bit more about you. Thanks for having me. All right, man. Bye. Bye.